When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. Uh, I'm David Reed. With me as ever is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello there. Are we well? I have got uh I'm tired so I tried to drink a lot of coffee earlier this morning mm. and now I've got the coffee sweats yeah I've got the exact same thing I drank about a pint of coffee this morning and now I've made us both delicious coffees which... it's going to be even worse this is going to be so wired it's going to be off the charts it really, uh, me being awake is a lie that's what it's telling me my body's saying this and I'm starting to understand work out it's a lie it started to get dark as well in the evenings. It's a bit... I, yeah, I think I'm being a bit seasonally affected at the moment as well. Are you feeling a bit down the dumps? A little bit, but le- more so than I have been on the sunny days. Yeah. I think it's probably because when you look at life as a whole... Yeah. There really isn't much hope. Is there not? Oh. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. Uh, I'm David Reed. With me as ever is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek. Hello there. Are we well? I have got... Uh, I'm tired, so I tried to drink a lot of coffee earlier this morning. Mm. And now I've got the coffee sweats. Yeah. I've got the exact same thing. I drank about a pint of coffee this morning. And now I've made us both delicious coffees. Which... It's going to be even worse. This is going to be... So wired, it's going to be off the charts. It really, uh, me being awake is a lie. That's what it's telling me. My body's saying this, uh, and I'm starting to understand. Work out, it's a lie. It started to get dark as well in the evenings. It's a bit. I yeah, I think I'm being a bit seasonally affected at the moment as well. Are you feeling a bit down the dumps? A little bit, but le- more so than I have been on the sunny days. Yeah, I think it's probably because when you look at life as a whole, yeah, there really isn't much hope. Is there not? Oh, and I you, look up to you, Merrick, because of your uh, years of wisdom that you've got ahead of me. How many are years older than I? Am I than you? Sure, is it four? Were you thirty-three? Thirty-one. I'm six years older than you. Well, those six years of wisdom. When's your birthday? <laughs> May twenty-six. Oh yes, I am. Six years. I think it's probably only about two. <laughs> well, of wisdom. Yeah, I think okay. I've wasted about four of those. You've caught up quite a lot. <laughs> or maybe I'm just feeling slightly down because I went to see Riddick this week. Let's talk about that first of all. Okay. This week's new releases. New releases with Devon Maddick. Please someone make a jingle for us. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I wrote jingles beyond week. Why would you go and see this? Oh, now listen, I yes, I, that's a fair question. I I like sci-fi, and I like adventure. So I'm starting from a different position from you. Anyway, I saw Pitch Black, which was the original Australian little indie movie with Vin Diesel in it, where he first played Riddick, and it's a good film. Um, they he, he is a prisoner and they get marooned on a planet and it turns out Riddick's not the worst thing there. There's also monsters in the dark. Okay, fine. Second one, Chronicles of Riddick. Massive overblown, complete pile of rubbish. Uh, they tried to turn it into a massive scoped sci-fi world like Star Wars or something and it just was awful. Awful, awful, awful. He ends up as king of the universe at the end of that one, sitting on a big throne. Fine. This one, they were going back to basics. In the first ten minutes, they completely undo everything they did in the second one. Um, and uh, the setup could not be simpler. Uh, it's He's stranded on a planet, you know, only his wits to survive. Again, and there's these horrible monsters that look like scorpions. And then some bounty hunters arrive to try and kill him. Uh, and he has to try and kill all of them first to steal their ship to get off the planet before... The storms come in and all the monsters move in. That's it. That's the entire setup. Um, so I thought rubbish. It's, it's. I thought it's gone back to basics. I thought it might actually, you know, tell a decent story and do all of that. And it tries to, and it fails. But what your description of it, uh, to be honest, sounded quite good. Yeah, exactly. It's like double monsters, basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got to defeat the first monsters before the even worse monsters arrive. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit like when I had a roast dinner and I hated the Brussels sprouts yeah. and also be sweet on there. Yeah. So I used to try and hide the bits of roast dinner in my napkin and go to the toilet during the um, meal. Watching Riddick's a lot like that. But because my parents knew I would try and go with the Brussels sprouts, oh, I see you took I them with you. took the Swede out because ah. they were looking at the Brussels sprouts. Yeah, yeah. Make that into a movie. <laughs> and smoke it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, uh, Riddick wasn't utterly disappointing. Afterwards, when I came home, I watched Dread again because it's similarly, actually, it's a sci-fi thing with a hard man, central character, blah, blah, blah. But it's such a simple premise that that, that is then just done really well. And Riddick could have been that. That's probably its closest, most recent sort of rival, I'd say. But it's it just... it it. It gives its characters more space to breathe and for you to get to know them and it to be a bit more intimate than your normal action film of running around, flashy bang, woo! It, mm. But it turns out when you give Riddick more time, there's really not much substance to him and he's not very. And the writers don't have anything interesting to say. So weirdly, it dragged for an action film. It was slow. It was really slow. What I can't understand is how they made a third one when the second one was universally panned well because Vin Diesel makes money because of the Fast and the Furious films this one appears to have been funded by the WWE the World Wrestling uh, oh has it got lots of wrestlers in it there's a wrestler in it and uh, they I think their logo was at the beginning they they funded it I think some of it see so, my argument is I mean who watches these films who these people who watch these films are clogging up our cinema <laughs> and you and you're, you've watched it yeah yeah. It's like giving money to the bad guys. It's not. It's not that kind. It's not that bad. I mean, you've got to have a bit of spectacle. It was, it was a bit like um, uh, John Carter of Mars, but without any hope. 
how many people were in the cinema? What time did you go and see it? Is a good. I went to see it at uh, six p.m. Mm-hmm. and it was about half full. Really? Yeah. And were the other people just sort of teenagers who were idiots? I didn't stare at them that much, to be honest. I was mostly looking forwards. Um, but no, I'd say they're they're a mix a mix of folk. I I. I... But you don't like the adventure genre I don't anyway. Like, no, do you? I like dread. I like the raid. I like the. I like good action. I don't like it when it's just bigger and bigger monsters. I'm a big fan of early sort of the things that spawned this, like aliens. Well, Predi- that's, predator, that's exactly what like that. this is trying to be. It's trying to be aliens and predator. It's got the team of mercenaries who. Uh, it's mostly about most of the film is them, not Riddick, because Riddick's the monster yeah. actually okay. for the first thing. He's an anti-hero, so it's them trying to survive, like the thing as well. It's that genre See, is what it's brilliant. trying to be, and it ends up being about as sophisticated as a cutscene from Gears of War, which mm. is a computer game that it clearly has been copying the art design from. But um, yeah, and but they they just they don't have any interesting dialogue to put in the mouths of these characters so so we don't there's no point spending so much time with them they're not good at building up tension or any of this stuff that is what that genre is it's tension there used to be you... some, that used to be my you know I love Alien I love The Predator I love Terminator yeah. Terminator 2 all that stuff was great were my favourite films in the uh, um, um, early 90s and late 80s mm. but it's just rubbish now it's just ridiculously huge monsters and it sounds like a similar monster to the monster in After Earth. It's as disgusting as you can make it. And they just... Oh, I don't... I don't... They, they were better than most on this. It wasn't just a CGI fest. I mean, there's huge amounts of CGI, but mostly to cut the budget down, really. And they're on an alien world, so they've got to create that. But it it started well and didn't hold up. Like, the beginning, it's him trying to train himself and uh, to defeat one monster and their adversaries, and it's actually told quite well at the beginning, yeah. and then it just sort of loses its way. But, um, and he gets... that my It really lost me at a point where... You know that scene they do in uh, films where they did it with the Joker in The Dark Knight and they do it with other kind of people that the audience is supposed to go, oh, he's so evil. When there's a guy... When you, the character is, like, chained up or, you know, he's tied to a chair or something. And he says, let me tell you what's going to happen. In five minutes' time, I'm going to put this pencil through that guy's balls. Mm. And then I'm going to do this and this and this. And they're just like, hey, you're never going to do that. And then, lo and behold, he does. Mm. They have that scene, fine. You know, that's it's often fun. But in that one where he's going, I'm going to do this hard thing. And I'm going to kill that guy. And I'm going to kill that guy. Mm. And then I'm going to be balls deep in that woman. And you're like, whoa, what? Riddick? He genuinely said that, balls deep. Oh, He's, no. He was just like, you being a hard-killing machine was sort of cool with. Not a sex you being monster. A, a, a sex monster is not... That's not cool, Riddick. Even say, I'm going to, you know, t- t- talk to her, I'm going to get to know her. Yeah. I'm going to buy her flowers, I'm going to really realise she's a person, and then when she's... Uh, if that's what she wants... Yeah. I will do that, but at the same time, we'll still love and respect her. I don't think there was much insinuation that you just go, and in 25 minutes' time, you're going to be romanced off your feet. I don't think I am, but I look forward to that. No, it it wasn't none of that. I don't know if there's any woman who would say, in 25 minutes' time, I'm going to be balls deep in you. (laughs) That You're actually saying, well, A, you've probably got enough (laughs) instantly. 
I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was that. It was really like, oh, oh, no, no, no. What a horrible phrase. Horrible phrase. Horrible phrase, especially when combined with a promise. Yeah, at least be a bit less ambitious. Yeah. Helm's deep. Helm's deep in you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh. My my favourite one of those scenes, which uh, what I'm going to do scene, is one of my favourite scenes with um, in True Romance with Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. Yeah, he doesn't really say what he's going to do to him, but he knows he's going to kill him, and they just have a sort of normal. They get to that point and go right. Yeah, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah, and then just do your. But you know, we both know that's going to happen. Yeah, you don't need to say all that ordering about. It's like Babe Ruth when he pointed to the. Um, that was the first time someone said what they're going to do. Oh, yeah. was it the first yeah, the baseball, time ever? But that was in sport. Yeah. Because Babe Ruth famously, the uh, I think we played for the Yankees or something, pointed to the outfield yes. saying he was going to hit a home run. Yeah, yeah. And that gave birth to this. That's what I'm going to... The idea of telling people what they're going to do. I think. That's why now in um, a game of pool, you have to pick your pocket which one you're going to pop the black in. Yeah. It's Babe Ruthing it, isn't it? It's the point. The Babe Ruth point that changed um, human interaction forever. Wow. Well, thanks, Babe Ruth, for that. Uh, but I'm sorry Riddick picked up your ball and carried it quite so far. How many um, uh, balls do you give Riddick? How many balls? It didn't go balls deep in me, I have to admit. He didn't do what he promised. Okay. Um, he got... It's going to have to be only half a ball, I think. Which translates as how many Davids? Uh, three. Three Davids. Three or four. <laughs> Oh, well, um, as we get into the middle section, I went to see a film, but first of all, we should um, maybe uh, read out a letter. Go on, then, who's been in touch? I'm going to read out a letter now. Oh, let's do the horror film was one, shall we, for this one. Okay. Friend of the show, Anne Coletta, has been in. Uh, do you want to read it out? Because I think, as a reader, yep. you're, I mean, one reading age is maybe two or three <laughs> years older than mine. Are you regressing? Are you Benjamin Buttoning your reading age? Sorry, are you Jodie Fostering your Jody reading Foster, age? Jodie Foster, yeah. That's a reference to last week, or two weeks ago rather, when we talked about Elysium and Jodie Foster's acting performances getting progressively worse as she gets older. I can't wait for what she's going to be doing in ten years' time. It is going to be wonderfully bad. She's going to be playing Keanu Reeves in Dracula. <laughs> okay, uh, Anne Coletta, where is she from? America somewhere, I think. Okay. <laughs> Dear David American Buddy, I was introduced to Hammer Horror and a lot of other horror films, that is, by my ex. The ones that really stuck with me were the bizarrely entertaining Houseu or House and the truly disturbing Wreck. I can't find the full versions online, but here are some clips. She sent us some clips of Houseu and Wreck. Side note, I met my husband when we would... It, we're in graduate school taking a required class in management. Ugh! Our first assignment was a management paper on anything, so I wrote mine on Shaun of the Dead, and he wrote his on Dawn of the Dead! Cute! Ah! Give my best to Danielle Ward. I miss hearing her on the podcast, but I'm very glad her play is coming to New York. Yours, Anne. Well, thanks, Anne Coletta. I've not seen Wreck, which I'm ashamed of. Have you seen House? House? No, I haven't, but I've not heard of it. So that one I'm excited by, but I feel more ashamed I can't join in the conversation. I haven't seen House, but I have seen 
uh, wreck, which they remade, I think. Yes, it's Quarantine. Yes, but the original was a Spanish one um, about these firemen who go into uh, this... Um, and it's a fireman zombie sort of uh, film. <laughs> fireman versus zombies. It's one of those sort of found footage one. It's really great though. I mean, when you say found footage, you you automatically think, "Oh right, this is a Blair Witch." Bloke. Yeah, it's really great. It is. They a, can be. I mean, it's just. A, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed Wreck, and I think everyone should watch it. It's very good. All right. Any other horror film? What are your favourite horror films? Oh, The Shining has to be up there for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. Um, Drag Me to Hell, I'm very fond of. American Werewolf in London, obviously. Um, <laughs> That's some weird countdown thing. Yeah. What film are you most scared of? Um, as a kid? No, when uh, as now you've seen. I now? Mean, I, well, the, the Omen, I was, I was petrified of that. I still think it's one of the scariest films. Well, the thing is, I don't think I get scared at horror films anymore. Because, and I'm not. it's not a pathetic teenager's brag, but I watched The Shining when I was five years old, and it, it probably scarred me, I think. But I haven't found horror films scary since then. Probably just because, you know, my brain's going, just a film, just a film. Do you think a you're um, a psychopath? Oh, oh! I hope so. <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't think I am. Is that one of the tests of a psychopath to find out if they find a horror film uh, scary or not? Not that I know of. No, I think you talk about them. You talk to a psychopath about themselves and see how keen they are to talk about it and how awesome they think they are. One of my scariest films. Mm. Uh, just to change the subject because to I am talk a, about yourself because I'm a psychopath. Right. Yeah. Um, is The Grudge, the remake of a Japanese one with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Really? In terms of being terrified by a film. I would hate to find a hair, a hand in my hair whilst I was having a shower. Yeah, that'd be, that's, is that what happens? I can't remember. It happens in the trailer. I've not seen the film. It's seeing things out the corner of your eye. It's terrifying. Yeah. Because then when you go to bed, you think you keep on seeing things yeah, out yeah. the corner of your eye. I mean, oh, do you know what? The last thing I want is to get killed by a Japanese monster when I've got stuff to do tomorrow. <laughs> that idea is terrifying. Not getting your stuff done. But say I wanted... <laughs> you're uh, you're uh, gearing up for a plug, aren't you? <laughs> I can hear them coming these days. I, I don't Just know out the corner of my ears. I don't know how... It's almost like I've got... You re- when you go around someone's house and you've got to ask them and your mum's asked you to ask yeah. something, you've got to do it. I just don't you have, want take to take as long as possible. Yeah. Is always, I'll go around. You've got a very loud segue. I can hear it coming a mile it's off. It's a sigh, isn't oh. it? Yeah, I've got no subtlety at all. <laughs> but uh, I think what you're getting at is if people would like to um, uh, experience some kind of horror thing live, Bingo. then why not come to Film Fandango Live 2, which is going to be a Halloween special and a quiz. Um, what date is it though? I'm trying to remember. 29th of October, yeah? Yeah, I think it's a Tuesday. But where is it though? It's at the Forge and Foundry, the same place as last time. They oh. do good drink. And what's going to happen then? Uh, well, the details have yet to be ironed <laughs> out, but I think it's going to be a quiz with prizes, and we're going to, as part of the quiz, we're going to show short films we've made ourselves again. And um, yeah, it's going to be uh, really good times. 
Yeah, because last time we did it, we enjoyed it. We we showed our films in the first half and did a bit of a quiz. And, and we then showed... we watched Robocop. But I thought, I thought it seemed everyone wanted to get together. There's lots of really nice people came along. Thank you for coming. And everyone wanted to sort of just chat films. Well, that's what we felt. It was after the interval, everyone had sort of uh, relaxed and started to get on. And then they had to sit in the dark for two hours. And then by the time that finished, uh, they had to get catch the tube home so yeah. we're going to hopefully make it a bit more um, interactive social and there'll be lots of I think tickets about £7.50 which is quite expensive but there'll be lots of prizes so we're going yeah. to get loads of DVDs for that and uh, if you have any prizes you, if you want to send us any DVDs just send them to us so we can give them away <laughs> <laughs> or bring them on the night yeah bring, bring them on, on the, the night. night we'll put them into the kitty anything you good. don't want that you want to give to, give away, yeah, do that. Make sure it works first. Hey, but hang on. It's not just that. I want to write into this podcast and I want to express myself. Right. Well, why don't you email us? You can email us at dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or if you'd like to just post on our Facebook page, that's facebook.com forward slash filmfandango. And that's where information about the live film Fandango and you can buy tickets or if not, go to Foundry, Camden, Film Fandango and buy them there. Yeah, you can Google all that stuff but it's probably easiest to go to our Facebook page even if you don't use Facebook and more and more people are leaving, I understand, it's sort of a digital wasteland these days. But... Uh, you can still view our Facebook page uh, to get all of the information. Or you can just tweet us if you'd like to be in touch, um, at Film Fandango. So, Marek, you have gone to the cinema as well this week. Yeah, I went to the Blimmin' Cinema. But you didn't right? go see Riddick, did you? No. Well, this might surprise people. I'm actually a sucker for a good rom-com. Is that right? What's your favourite rom-com? I don't know. Truly Maddy Deeply, maybe? It's a good one. I don't like the magician, but I do like everyone yeah, else. Yeah, no one it. likes him. Yeah. If he'd been the other way around, he should have died. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's so moving, that you find it really difficult to move on from Alan Rickman as well. Yeah, everyone's like, do you know what? I, I think she should have spent a bit more time... <laughs> Grieving. <laughs> um, I went to see, um, of course, the most famous... Uh, Rom-com man is uh, Richard Curtis. Correct. Who I always accidentally called Tony Curtis. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I, I've, I'm, I've gone out of it, but I went through a phase of doing that. It's weird how once you get the synapses in your brain saying something wrong, yeah. it's really hard to relearn the right thing again. Do you think I have a, a synapse dedicated to getting Richard Curtis's name right now? Because yeah. I wanted to get it right so often that I've actually now well, got a piece of hardware. You need to make that synapse stronger than the Tony Curtis one. Right. So it's only by uh, by consuming parts of his body that I can do that. So basically, for uh, beginning neuro- people into neurology, <laughs> is it neurology? Isn't it? Yeah. What's happened is your synapse thinking that Tony Curtis started to make a mistake, but then beforehand you realised yeah. that you made that Tony Curtis mistake beforehand. So your first thought, I think, is that you make a mistake. Ah. Tony, that, that precedes the, the the Tony Curtis thing, and then explained. I just go into a big cycle. Yeah, then at the end of it, someone gets killed. Oh, God. Well, you could always go back in time and change the mistake, which segues me. I did not hear that segue coming. <laughs> you got better at it. In, normally, I do a big sigh, which shows I'm thinking. <laughs> beep, beep. You turn the beeping reverse uh, noise off. Um, so, it was About Time. Yes, About Time is Richard Curtis's latest rom-com. And last... Hope. Uh, I don't He's, know. He, I heard some press that it was going to be his last film. 
He's made. Uh, I haven't seen the boat that rocked, but it got, got some bad reviews. He seems to have gone off the boil since he was a god amongst British filmmakers. Mm. Uh, for one, he's in the funeral, uh, Notting Hill, no, Love Actually, Love Actually, were his big ones. I mean, they they sort of increased in commercial success as they went along, but went downhill in terms of quality, in my opinion. Um, Four Weddings is a classic film and should be remembered, I think, and watched. Really. I really like Notting Hill. Oh, so so do I, but yeah. I think it's not as uh, accomplished. And yeah. then Love Love Actually is sort of fine. Well, um, what happens in this one, I tell you, is um, there's a young sort of twenty-one-year-old uh, bloke called Tim who finds out from his father, played by, by Bill Nighy, that all the male people in their family can time travel, but not big things, only within their lifetime. So they can travel back to a moment in their life they've already lived. Yeah, and, and just change it and go back for, forward again. So all they have to do is go in the cupboard and just, just clench their fists and think of it. Is that simple? Right. And, and how long back. can they go back for? They can go back for as long as they want and they can go forward again change little things things will be changed do they have to jump forward again afterwards um, not really but they normally do it's not explained basically the time travelling <laughs> thing is not properly thought through Okay. what's interesting is that I've just finished reading a time travel book by Stephen King which is 11 63 I hope I've got the wrong but it's the day that JFK died right. but a guy who goes back in time and that is a really although that is a flawed book which will eventually get made into a film I've no doubt it covers the time travel aspect of it yeah. much more intelligently than this film. Which just, it seems to me the time travel aspect is, here's what happens, we're going to explain it, we're not going to go into too much detail. You can't, because it doesn't work. Yeah. Ultimately, it will never perfectly yeah. work. So it's so. sort of not really, really explained. Okay. So uh, what does Tim use this power to do? He just uses this to fall in love. Now, it's, this has got every single trapping of... Uh, Richard Curtis films it's sort of set around that sort of West London area it's got the American love interest yeah it's got the sort of slightly ditzy Charlotte what's her name who died um, character you know one from Fornings uh, and the Funeral oh right Scarlet Scarlet yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the great actress who died sadly I can't remember her name um, that sort of character's in it as his sister there's the sort of oddball character it's the same set of characters yeah, yeah. that appear in all his films and Four Winners and the Funeral, for me, I think had that charm and that naivety. Mm. And Hugh Grant was brilliant at playing that part. Oh, he is excellent. And also in Notting Hill, it's got that sort of Britishness, which is very upper middle class, I'd say. Yes. Uh, and that was charming, I think, in those two films. And now it's sort of lost its sheen for me. And it feels a bit like this is your vehicle for making a film. This sort of half, sort of foppish, mm. Mm, not very funny, just slightly really British, that has become, was naive in the early 90s, and now it seems a bit, uh, I don't know what you think of the word, sort of staged, and not funny anymore. Um, not as funny. Not as relevant, perhaps. Not or as relevant, but it feels Resonant. Like, yeah, see, it feels like, oh, right, this is, your, this is you pushing the buttons right. for a big success story. And I think the do- the bloke who plays the main lead is uh, Donald Gleeson, or Don- I can't pronounce it, he's Brendan Gleeson's son. Oh. Now, I thought for the first bit of this film, he really annoyed me, because he's got a romantic lead, and he's playing that sort of shy Hugh Grant fop. Yeah. And I just th- thought, hang on a minute, this character's gay, isn't he? <laughs> 
Wow. I don't know if my gaydar's wrong, but I thought you're just acting. You look like a. Uh, you're acting like a quite. He was acting so foppy mm. and fey. I thought you're surely this character's going to realise he's actually gay, and not looking for a romance. Be a brave move in a rom com. Be much braver and much more interesting. Instead, it was just quite typical him and the lines he gave to chat up the beautiful Rachel McAdams who I thought was great she's and, and, your go to time travelling love interest yeah and underused as well I think yeah. just smiley and a bit two dimensional and just perfect and, and nice in every way and I thought she could she could play a lot more interesting character she played it very well like in the notebook yes it was it's just a bit too it was a bit two dimensional and the joke and him chatting her up I just thought you know what she would tell him to piss off. So let me, because I've only seen the trailer and this would be my guess, but do, he goes back in time to rectify mistakes uh, he's made. So if he his first introduction to her isn't perfect, he'll go back and do it again and do the right thing and stuff. Does, is that, does it get beyond that much? Not really. It's about sort of time travelling. It's about relationship. Because after a while that would get sinister to me of just like, what you think this girl is superficial just, enough yeah. to, that you know she's... it just escapes being sinister, doesn't it? It right. feels a little bit cringy. How far back does he go? Does he go far? Does he go back to being a nappies, for instance? No, no, no. It does get it, it does get a bit stalkery at one point when you think there's no way if someone would come up to you and knew your name and knew about you, you just go leave me alone. Mm. I don't find this amusing. I find this really stalkery, yeah. and I'm going to call the police now. Like several in, times um, when Rachel McAdam in <laughs> in the real world would have say, "Who are you?" and maced him. A, what are you trying to chat me up? Because I think you might be gay. Yeah. B, this is real. I'm I'm going to call the police. C, I'm definitely going to call the police. <laughs> and D, none of the things you're saying, even the improved shut up lines, are funny or attractive. <laughs> wow, uh, it's like in um, in uh, you've got mail. Have you seen that? Where um, I think I have actually. Yes. Where Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks oh, are, are adversaries because she owns a tiny bookshop and he owns the massive chain bookshop, but they're also, unbeknownst to them, uh, email pen pals, oh, I've seen that, and yeah. they fall they fall in love. But halfway through the film, Tom Hanks finds out that it's her, yeah, and doesn't tell her. He uses it to manipulate her, and it gets really creepy. I, I for about enjoy- twenty minutes. I quite enjoyed that film. Still. Yeah, so did I. But it is a bit. Odd. Yeah. This was creepy for a bit and cringy. And he won me round, actually, the lead actor. But at the start of the film, I really hated him. I think Bill Nye's really good. It's got Tom Hollander as a cameo. as a frustrate. It's very English and it feels a bit hack, the jokes. It doesn't feel like... An, it feels like Tip Richard Curtis doing the same thing. Mm. And not that funny. But is Ryan Atkinson in it? No. Okay. It's very... And what I don't like about it... Is that it takes the upper upper middle class as the norm of yep. being British, and, he, and they're like they live. His parents live in a house on the Cornish coastline, a detached house. They walk down to the sea. That house would probably cost about five million pounds. Yeah, yeah. And it's oh, that's just but normal. that's that's the England that Richard Curtis has been selling to the Americans yeah. for decades. Because Hugh Grant uh, owns a house and a bookshop in Notting Hill, and yet thinks he's too lowly for a film star to marry him. I mean, he's clearly got millions of pounds. I mean, that's. But this is the lie that I think uh, Curtis is completely aware of it. That this is the lie he's selling to the Americans. He just go, look how humble we are. We don't all live in castles anymore. But, and yeah. also the, the them just getting by, yeah, 
is living in a house with a garden. <laughs> Most people I know, I'm 37, can't afford to even get a flat in London because they're priced at the yeah. <laughs> housing market. No one's got any money. There aren't enough houses. It's far more multicultural than Richard Curtis ever makes out it is. You'd think it would just be like, oh, look, there's one Asian person at our wedding. <laughs> there's the... There's, it's not... You know, so you're saying in uh, in uh, the modern recession hit age, it's become a bit distasteful to show us the problems of upper middle class people. That's what it feels a bit like. But it just feels tired, and the jokes feel annoying, and they're yeah. not charming. And you realise a lot of the charm was down to Hugh Grant. Well, that's interesting that because he really sold that shtick as charming and totally. He was, he was Hugh Grant. I think is brilliant. He, he is was, great. Yeah, and he can get away with that bumbling thing. But the lines don't really hold up when someone else is doing it. And Bill Nye, he does it well. I think he's another one of uh, uh, used by any Richard Curtis yes. film. But he's very good. He very is good. good. He was in the uh, Richard Curtis Doctor Who episode. Oh, was he? It was the one about. Uh, you probably don't watch it, but it was the one about. Um, uh, Van Gogh. Okay. It was very good, I thought. But nonetheless, I don't know whether it's nostalgia or fear not. I still did enjoy parts of it because it gives you that hope of... It does do that thing of giving you hope of what Britain should be like and mm. life should be that normal. And the message is slightly warped and isn't realistic, but his films do have that sort of British, this is the way life could be, you know, nice sort of leafy streets and overcoming small problems it's just a bit twee I suppose yeah but well that's certainly what happened with Love Actually I thought we came a bit too twee I don't think it's as good as Love Actually either okay I didn't see The Boat That Rocks same as you I didn't see it 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 was called Pirate Radio in America because they don't understand that a boat uh, would rock okay I think well let's see what American listeners have to say about that I give it five Marricks okay so it's better than Riddick uh, well, I don't know what the conversion rate is of Marricks to David's. Yeah, um, I don't know what the reviews have been like for about time. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm. Not, I was harsher than you, but recently I've been quite generous. Okay. Alpha Papa, I gave ten, and you gave it. I gave it nine. Eight. I think. Did I give it eight? Yeah. You'll you regret that in years to come. Yeah. I will. <laughs> uh, well. well. Well, that is two movies. Two whole. Movie. Something for everyone. If you like a disappointing sci-fi, why not go to Riddick? If you like a disappointing rom-com, why not go to About Time? Disappointment all round. All round. That's what life's like sometimes. What's coming out? Are we looking forward to anything? I'm looking forward to Rush. What's Rush? The Jimmy Stewart, um, Nick, Nicky uh, Lauder racing film by Ron Howard. Oh, the one with Thor in it. Yes, as James Stewart. It's not about Ian Rush. Uh, James Hunt, rather, not James Stewart. James Stewart? Yeah, it's not Jimmy Stewart. He's long dead. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart's the actor. I'm thinking of James Hunt, the racing driver, Ah. and Nicky Lauder. Right. It looks very good. Is it a sports movie, do you reckon? It's a car movie. Car movie, yeah. So that's sports, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. Um, Hobbyist movie. And what else am I looking forward to? I don't know anymore. Simply don't know. Bit of peace and quiet. <laughs> well, uh, that's it for this week. I know it's not actually. Is it not? Because I, I like this podcast, but it's independent. I want to. I would like to donate to show my support for <laughs> Film Fandango. <laughs> 
well, if you'd like to uh, donate towards our running costs to keep Film Fandango alive and free, then uh, you can do so by going to our website, filmfandango.co.uk. Uh, and thank you to everyone who has donated already. It is really appreciated. Yes, thank you very much. That's it, then. That's it for this week. We will be back next week with more films. Well, we're going to be watching Idiocracy next Idiocracy. Week. We have a guest, don't we? Yeah. Some Jewish producer bloke. Oh, right. Where, do you know him? or Sort of, yeah. All right, just bumped into him. Yeah. All right, fair enough. All right, well, we've got that to look forward to. <laughs> Keep watching the films. Keep watching films, bye. Bye. A little indie movie with Vin Diesel in it where he first played Riddick, and it's a good film. Um... They, he, he is a prisoner and they get marooned on a planet and it turns out Riddick's not the worst thing there. There's also monsters in the dark. Okay, fine. Second one, Chronicles of Riddick. Massive overblown, complete pile of rubbish. Uh, they tried to turn it into a massive scoped sci-fi world like Star Wars or something and it just was awful. Awful, awful, awful. He ends up as king of the universe at the end of that one, sitting on a big throne. Fine. This one, they were going back to basics. In the first ten minutes, they completely undo everything they did in the second one. Um, and uh, the setup could not be simpler. Uh, it's He's stranded on a planet, you know, only his wits to survive again. And there's these horrible monsters that look like scorpions. And then some bounty hunters arrive to try and kill him. Uh, and he has to try and kill all of them first to steal their ship to get off the planet before... The storms come in and all the monsters move in. That's it. That's the entire setup. Um, it so I thought rubbish. It's, it's. I thought it's gone back to basics. I thought it might actually, you know, tell a decent story and do all of that. And it tries to, and it fails. But what your description of it, uh, to be honest, sounded quite good. Yeah, exactly. It's like double monsters, basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got to defeat the first monsters before the even worse monsters arrive. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit like when I had a roast dinner and I hated the Brussels sprouts yeah. and also be sweet on there. Yeah. So I used to try and hide the bits of roast dinner in my napkin and go to the toilet during the um, meal. Watching Riddick's a lot like that. But because my parents knew I was trying to go with the Brussels sprouts, oh, I, see you took I them with you. took the Swede out because ah. they were looking at the Brussels sprouts. Yeah, yeah. Make that into a movie. <laughs> and smoke it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, uh, Riddick wasn't utterly disappointing. Afterwards, when I came home, I watched Dread again because it's similarly, actually, it's a sci-fi thing with a hard man, central character, blah, blah, blah. But it's such a simple premise that that, that is then just done really well. And Riddick could have been that. That's probably its closest, most recent sort of rival, I'd say. But it's it just... it it. It gives its characters more space to breathe and for you to get to know them and it to be a bit more intimate than your normal action film of running around, flashy bang, woo! Mm. But it turns out when you give Riddick more time, there's really not much substance to him and he's not very. And the writers don't have anything interesting to say. So weirdly, it dragged for an action film. It was slow. It was really slow. What I can't understand is how they made a third one when the second one was. Universally panned. Well, because Vin Diesel makes money because of the Fast and the Furious films. This one appears to have been funded by the WWE, the World Wrestling uh, 
Oh, has it got lots of wrestlers in it? There's a wrestler in it, and uh, they. I think their logo was at the beginning. They they funded it. I think some of it. See, so. my argument is, I mean, who watches these films? Who these people who watch these films are clogging up our cinema? <laughs> and you and you you watched it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like giving money to the bad guys. It's not. It's not that kind. It's not that bad. I mean, you've got to have a bit of spectacle. It was. It was a bit like. Um, uh, John Carter of Mars, but without any hope. How many people were in the cinema? What time did you go and see it? This is a good. I went answer. to see it at uh, six pm, mm-hmm. and it was about half full. Really? Yeah. And were the other people just sort of teenagers who were idiots? I didn't stare at them that much, to be honest. I was mostly looking forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'd say they were they were a mix a mix of folk. I, 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 but you don't like the adventure genre like, anyway. No, do you? I like dread. I like the raid. I like though. I like good action. I don't like it when it's just bigger and bigger monsters. I'm a big fan of early sort of the things that spawned this, like aliens. Well, Pred- that's, that's exactly like what that. this is trying to be. It's trying to be aliens and predator. It's got the team of mercenaries who are. It's mostly about most of the film is them, not Riddick, because Riddick's the monster yeah. actually okay. for the first thing. He's an anti-hero, so it's them trying to survive, like the thing as well. It's that genre See, is what it's brilliant. trying to be, and it ends up being about as sophisticated as a cutscene from Gears of War, which mm. is a computer game that it clearly has been copying the art design from. But um, yeah, and but they they just they don't have any interesting dialogue to put in the mouths of these characters so so we don't there's no point spending so much time with them they're not good at building up tension or any of this stuff that is what that genre is it's tension there used that to be you... some, that used to be my you know I love Alien I love The Predator I love Terminator yeah. Terminator 2 all that stuff was great were my favourite films in the uh, um, um, early 90s and late 80s mm. but it's just rubbish now it's just ridiculously huge monsters and it sounds like a similar monster to the monster in After Earth. It's as disgusting as you can make it. And they just... Oh, I don't... I don't... They, they were better than most on this. It wasn't just a CGI fest. I mean, there's huge amounts of CGI, but mostly to cut the budget down, really. And they're on an alien world, so they've got to create that. But it it started well and didn't hold up. Like, the beginning, it's him trying to train himself and uh, to defeat one monster and their adversaries, and it's actually told quite well at the beginning, yeah. and then it just sort of loses its way. But, um, and he gets... that my It really lost me at a point where... You know that scene they do in uh, films where they did it with the Joker in The Dark Knight and they do it with other kind of people that the audience is supposed to go, oh, he's so evil. When there's a guy... When you, the character is, like, chained up or, you know, he's tied to a chair or something. And he says, let me tell you what's going to happen. In five minutes' time, I'm going to put this pencil through that guy's balls. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to do this and this and this. And they're just like, hey, you're never going to do that. And then, lo and behold, he does. Mm-hmm. They have that scene. Fine. You know, that's it's often fun. But in that one where he's going, I'm going to do this hard thing. And I'm going to kill that guy. And I'm going to kill that guy. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to be balls deep in that woman. And you're like, whoa, what? Riddick. He genuinely said that, balls deep. Oh, He's, no. He was just like, you being a hard-killing machine was sort of cool with. Not a sex you being monster. A, a, a sex monster is not... That's not cool, Riddick. Even say, I'm going to, you know, t- 
talk to her. I'm going to get to know her. Yeah. I'm going to buy her flowers. I'm going to really realise she's a person. And then when she's... Uh, if that's what she wants... Yeah. I will do that. But at the same time, we'll still love and respect well, her. I, I don't think there was much insinuation that you just go... And in 25 minutes' time, you're going to be romanced off your feet. And yeah. you just go, I don't think I am, but I look forward to that. No, it's, it wasn't none of that. I don't know if there's any woman who would say, in 25 minutes' time, I'm going to be balls deep in you. <laughs> that You're actually saying, well, A, you've probably got to know <laughs> instantly. I'm not going to let that happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was... that. It was really like, oh, oh no, no, no. What a horrible phrase. Horrible phrase. Horrible phrase, especially when uh, combined with a promise. Yeah, at least be a bit less ambitious. Yeah. Helm's deep. Helm's deep in you. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, ha! My, my favourite one of those scenes, which uh, what I'm going to do scene, is one of my favourite scenes with um, In True Romance with Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. Yeah. He doesn't really say what he's going to do to him, but he knows he's going to kill him, and they just have a sort of normal. They get to that point and go, right. Yeah, I'm gonna kill you now. Yeah, and then just do your. But you know, we both know that's gonna happen. Yeah, you don't need to say all that ordering about. It's like Babe Ruth when he pointed to the. Um, that was the first time someone said what they're gonna do. Oh, yeah. was it the first yeah, the baseball, time ever? But that was in sport. Yeah, because Babe Ruth famously the uh, I think we played for the Yankees or something pointed to the outfield. Yes, saying he's gonna hit a home run. Yeah, yeah. And that gave birth to this. That's what I'm gonna. The idea of telling people what they're gonna do. I think. That's why now in um, a game of pool, you have to pick your pocket. Which one you're gonna pop the black in? Yeah, it's Babe Ruthing it, isn't it? It's the point. The Babe Ruth point that changed um, human interaction forever. Wow. Well, thanks, Babe Ruth, for that. Uh, but I'm sorry, Riddick picked up your ball and carried it quite so far. How many um, uh, balls do you give Riddick? How many balls? Uh, it, did, it, it, it didn't go balls deep in me I have to admit he didn't do what he promised okay. um, he got it's going to have to be only half a ball I think which translates as how many Davids uh, three three Davids three or four. <laughs> oh well um, as we're getting to the middle section I went to see a film but first of all we should um, maybe uh, read out a letter go on then who's been in touch I'm going to read out a letter now. Oh, let's do the horror film was one, shall we, for this one. Okay. Friend of the show, Anne Coletta, has been in. Uh, do you want to read it out? Because I think, as a reader, yeah. you're, I mean, one reading age is maybe two or three <laughs> years older than mine. Are you regressing? Are you Benjamin Buttoning your reading age? Sorry, are you Jodie Fostering your Jody reading Foster, age? Jodie Foster, yeah. That's a reference to last week. Or two weeks ago, rather, when we talked about Elysium and Jodie Foster's acting performances getting progressively worse as she gets older. I can't wait for what she's going to be doing in ten years' time. It is going to be wonderfully bad. She's going to be playing Keanu Reeves in Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, Anne Coletta, where is she from? America somewhere, I think. Okay. (laughs) Dear David American Buddy... I was introduced to Hammer Horror and a lot of other horror films, that is, by my ex. The ones that really stuck with me were the bizarrely entertaining Houseu, or House, and the truly disturbing Wreck. I can't find the full versions online, but here are some clips. She sent us some clips of Houseu and Wreck. Side note, I met my husband when we were in graduate school taking a required class in management. Ugh! 
Our first assignment was a management paper on anything, so I wrote mine on Shaun of the Dead, and he wrote his on Dawn of the Dead. Cute. Ah. Give my best to Danielle Ward. I miss hearing her on the podcast, but I'm very glad her play is coming to New York. Yours, Anne. Well, thanks, Anne Coletta. I've not seen Wreck, which I'm ashamed of. Have you seen House? House? Ooh. No, I haven't, but I've not heard of it. So that one I'm excited by, but I feel more ashamed I can't join in the conversation. I haven't seen House, but I have seen uh, Wreck, which they remade, I think. Yes, it's Quarantine. Yes, but the original was a Spanish one um, about these firemen who go into uh, this... Um, and it's a fireman zombie sort of uh, film. <laughs> Fireman versus zombies. It's one of those sort of found footage one. It's really great though. And when you say found footage, you you automatically think, "Oh right, this is a Blair Witch." Yeah, it's really great. It is. They can be. I mean, it's just. I thoroughly enjoyed Wreck, and I think everyone should watch it. It's very good. All right. Any other horror film? What are your favourite horror films? Oh, The Shining has to be up there for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love it. Um, Drag Me to Hell I'm very fond of American Werewolf in London obviously Um, (laughs) that's some weird countdown thing what film are you most scared of Um, as a kid no, when uh, as now you've seen I mean, now. I, well, the, the Omen. I was I was petrified of that. I still think it's one of the scariest films. Well, the thing is, I don't think I get scared at horror films anymore because, and I'm not. It's not a pathetic teenager's brag, but I watched The Shining when I was five years old, and it it probably scarred me. I think, but I haven't found horror films scary since then. Probably just because you know my brain's going just a film, just a film. Do you think a you're um, a psychopath? Oh, oh! I hope so. <laughs> uh, no, no, I don't think I am. Is that one of the tests of a psychopath to find out if they find a horror film uh, scary or not? Not that I know of. No, I think you talk about them. You talk to a psychopath about themselves and see how keen they are to talk about it and how awesome they think they are. One of my scariest films. Mm. Uh, just to change the subject. To talk a, about yourself because I'm a psychopath. Right. Yeah. Um, is The Grudge, the remake of a Japanese one with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Really? In terms of being terrified by a film. I would hate to find a hair, a hand in my hair whilst I was having a shower. Yeah, that'd be, that's, is that what happens? I can't remember. It happens in the trailer. I've not seen the film. It's seeing things out the corner of your eye. It's terrifying. Yeah. Because then when you go to bed, you think you keep on seeing things yeah, out yeah. the corner of your eye. I mean, oh, do you know what? The last thing I want is to get killed by a Japanese monster when I've got stuff to do tomorrow (laughs) that idea is terrifying not getting your stuff done but say I wanted (laughs) you're uh, you're uh, gearing up for a plug aren't you (laughs) I can hear them coming these days just out the corner of my ears I don't know how it's almost like I've got you, when you go around someone's house and you've got to ask them and your mum's asked you to ask something you've got to do it I just don't you want to take be as long as possible. Yeah. Always... I'll go around. You've got a very loud segue. I can hear it coming a mile it's off. It's a sigh, isn't a... it? <sighs> yeah, I've got no subtlety at all. <laughs> but uh, I think what you're getting at is if people would like to um, uh, experience some kind of horror thing live, Bingo. then why not come to Film Fandango Live 2, which is going to be a Halloween special and a quiz? 
Um, what date is it, though? I'm trying to remember. 29th of October, yeah? Yeah, I think it's a Tuesday. But where is it, though? It's at the Forge and Foundry, the same place as last time. They oh. do good drink. And what's going to happen, then? Uh, well, the details have yet to be ironed <laughs> out, but I think it's going to be a quiz with prizes, and we're going to, as part of the quiz, we're going to show short films we've made ourselves again. And, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, really good times. Yeah, because last time we did it, we enjoyed it. We we showed our films in the first half and did a bit of a quiz. And, and we then showed... we watched Robocop. But I thought, I thought it seemed everyone wanted to get together. There's lots of really nice people came along. Thank you for coming. And everyone wanted to sort of just chat films. Well, that's what we felt. It was after the interval, everyone had sort of uh, relaxed and started to get on. And then they had to sit in the dark for two hours. And then by the time that finished, uh, they had to get catch the tube home so yeah. we're going to hopefully make it a bit more um, interactive social and there'll be lots of I think tickets about £7.50 which is quite expensive but there'll be lots of prizes so we're going yeah. to get loads of DVDs for that and uh, if you have any prizes you, if you want to send us any DVDs just send them to us so we can give them away <laughs> <laughs> or bring them on the night yeah bring, bring them on, on the, the night. night we'll put them into the kitty anything you don't want that you want to give to, give away, yeah, do that. Make sure it works first. Hey, but hang on. It's not just that. I want to write into this podcast and I want to express myself. Right. Well, why don't you email us? You can email us at dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or if you'd like to just post on our Facebook page, that's facebook.com forward slash filmfandango. And that's where information about the live film Fandango and you can buy tickets or if not, go to... The- Foundry, Camden, Film Fandango, and buy them there. Yeah, you can Google all that stuff, but it's probably easiest to go to our Facebook page. Even if you don't use Facebook, and more and more people are leaving, I understand it's sort of a digital wasteland these days. But uh, you can still view our Facebook page uh, to get all of the information. Or you can just tweet us if you'd like to be in touch, um, at Film Fandango. So, Marek, you have gone to the cinema as well this week. Yeah, I went to the Blimmin' Cinema. But you didn't go see Riddick, did you? No. Well, this might surprise people. I'm actually a sucker for a good rom-com. Is that right? What's your favourite rom-com? I don't know. Truly Madly Deeply, maybe? It's a good one. I don't like The Magician, but I do like everyone yeah, else. Yeah, no one it. likes him. Yeah. If he'd been the other way around, he should have died. <laughs> maybe that's why it's so moving, that you find it really difficult to move on from Alan Rickman as well. Yeah, everyone's like, do you know what? I, I think she should have spent a bit more time... <laughs> Grieving. Yeah. Um, I went to see, um, of course, the most famous uh, rom-com man is uh, Richard Curtis. Correct. Who I always accidentally called Tony Curtis. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I, I've, I'm, I've gone out of it, but I went through a phase of doing that. It's weird how once you get the synapses in your brain saying something wrong, yeah. it's really hard to relearn the right thing again. Do you think I have a, a synapse dedicated to getting Richard Curtis's name right now? Because yeah. I wanted to get it right so often that I've actually now well, got a piece of you hardware. You need to make that sign up stronger than the Tony Curtis one. Right. So it's only by... Uh, by consuming parts of his body that I can do that. So basically for uh, beginning neuro- people into neurology... <laughs> is it neurology, isn't it? Yeah. What's happened is... Your synapse thinking that Tony Curtis started to make a mistake, but then beforehand you realised yeah. that you made that Tony Curtis mistake beforehand. So your first thought, I think, is that you make a mistake. Ah. Tony, that, that precedes the, the the Tony Curtis thing. And then I just go into a big cycle. Yeah, and then at the end of it, someone gets killed. 
Oh, God. Well, you could always go back in time and change the mistake, which segues me. I did not hear that segue coming. <laughs> You've got better at it. In, normally, I do a big sigh that shows I'm thinking. <laughs> beep, beep. You turn the beeping reverse uh, noise off. Um, so, it was About Time. Yes, About Time is Richard Curtis's latest rom-com. And last? I hope. Uh, I don't He's, know. He, I heard some press that it was going to be his last film. He's made so I haven't seen the boat that rocked, but it got, got some bad reviews. He seems to have gone off the boil since he was a god amongst British filmmakers. Mm. Uh, for one, is in the funeral, uh, Notting Hill, no, Love Actually, Love Actually were his big ones. I mean, they they sort of increased in commercial success as they went along, but went downhill in terms of quality, in my opinion. Mm. Um, Four Weddings is a classic film and should be remembered, I think, and watched. Really. I really like Notting Hill. Oh, so so do I, but yeah. I think it's not as uh, accomplished. And yeah. then Love, Love Actually is sort of fine. Well, um, what happens in this one, I tell you, is um, there's a young sort of uh, 21-year-old bloke called Tim who finds out from his father, played by, by Bill Nighy, that all the male people in their family can time travel, but not... Big things, only within their lifetime. So they can travel back to a moment in their life they've already lived. Yeah, and, and just change it and go back for, forward again. So all they have to do is go in the cupboard and just, just clench their fists and think of it. It's that simple. Right. And, and how long back. can they go back for? They can go back for as long as they want and they can go forward again change little things. Things will be changed. Do they have to jump forward again afterwards? Um, not really, but they normally do. It's not explained. Basically, the time travelling <laughs> thing is not properly thought through. Okay. What's interesting is that I've just finished reading a, a time travel book by Stephen King, which is 11 63 I hope I've got the wrong, but it's the day that JFK died. Right. But a guy who goes back in time and that is a really... Although that is a flawed book which will eventually get made into a film, I've no doubt... It covers the time travel aspect of it yeah. much more intelligently than this film. Which just, it seems to me the time travel aspect is, here's what happens, we're going to explain it, we're not going to go into too much detail. You can't, because it doesn't work, yeah. ultimately. It will never perfectly yeah. work. So, so it's so. sort of not really, really explained. Okay. So uh, what does Tim use this power to do? He just uses this to fall in love. Now, it's, this has got every single trapping of... Uh, Richard Curtis films it's sort of set around that sort of West London area it's got the American love interest yeah it's got the sort of slightly ditzy Charlotte what's her name who died um, character you know one from uh, Fornings and the Funeral oh right Scarlet Scarlet yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the great actually died sadly I can't remember her name um, that sort of character's in it as his sister there's the sort of oddball character it's the same set of characters yeah, yeah. that appear in all his films and Four Winners and the Funeral, for me, I think had that charm and that naivety. Mm. And Hugh Grant was brilliant at playing that part. Oh, he is excellent. And also in Notting Hill, he's got that sort of Britishness, which is very upper middle class, I'd say. Yes. Uh, and that was charming, I think, in those two films. And now it's sort of lost its sheen for me. And it feels a bit like this is your vehicle for making a film. This sort of half, sort of foppish, mm. Mm, not very funny, just slightly really British, that has become, was naive in the early 90s, and now it seems a bit, uh, I don't know what to think of the word, sort of staged and not funny anymore. 
um, not as funny, not as relevant, perhaps. Not as relevant, but it feels resonant. Like, yeah, see, it feels like oh, right, this is your, this is you pushing the buttons, right, for a big success story. And I think the doc, the bloke who plays the main lead is uh, Donald Gleeson, or Don, I can't pronounce it. He's Brendan Gleeson's son. Oh. Now, I thought for the first bit of this film, he really annoyed me because he's got a romantic lead. And he was playing that sort of shy Hugh Grant fop. Yeah. And I just thought, thought, hang on a minute, this character's gay, isn't he? <laughs> wow. I don't know if my gay does wrong, but I thought you're just acting. You look like a uh, you're acting like a quite. He was acting so foppy mm. and fay. I thought you're surely this character's going to realise he's actually gay and not looking for a romance. It'd be a brave move in a rom-com. Be much braver and much more interesting. Instead, it was just quite typical him. And the lines he gave to chat up the beautiful Rachel McAdams, who I thought was great. She's and under- your go-to time-travelling love interest. Yeah, and underused as well. I think yeah. just smiley and a bit two-dimensional and just perfect and nice in every way. And I thought... She could she could play a lot more interesting character. She played it very well, like in the Notebook. Yes, it was. It's just a bit too. It was a bit two dimensional, and the joke and him chatting her up. I just thought, you know what? She would tell him to piss off. So, let me because I've only seen the trailer, and this would be my guess. But do, he goes back in time to rectify mistakes uh, he's made. So if he his first introduction to her isn't perfect he'll go back and do it again and do the right thing and stuff is, is that does it get beyond that much not really it's about sort of time travelling it's about relationship because after a while that would get sinister to me of just like what you think this girl is superficial just, enough yeah. to, that you know it just escapes being sinister doesn't it it feels right. a little bit cringy how far back does he go? Does he go far? Does he go back to being in nappies, for instance? No, no, no. It does get it, it does get a bit stalkery at one point when you think there's no way if someone would come up to you and knew your name and knew about you, you just go leave me alone. Mm. I don't find this amusing. I find this really stalkery, yeah. and I'm going to call the police now. Like there's several in, times um... when Rachel McAdam in <laughs> in the real world would have say, "Who are you?" and maced him. A, what are you trying to chat me up? Because I think you might be gay. Yeah. B, this is real. I'm, I'm going to call the police. C, I'm definitely going to call the police. <laughs> and D, none of the things you're saying, even the improved shut-up lines, are funny or attractive. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's like in um, in uh, You've Got Mail. Have you seen that? Where um, I think I have, actually, yes. Where Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks oh, are, the email. are adversaries because she owns a tiny bookshop and he owns the massive chain bookshop. But they're also unbeknownst to them uh, email pen pals yeah, that, and yeah. they fall they fall in love but halfway <laughs> through the film Tom Hanks finds out that it's her yeah. and doesn't tell her he uses it to manipulate her and it gets really creepy I, I for about enjoy- 20 minutes I quite enjoyed that film still. yeah so did I but it is a bit odd yeah this was creepy for a bit and cringy and he won me round actually the lead actor but at the start of the film I really hated him I think Bill Nye's really good. It's got Tom Hollander as a cameo, as a, a frustrate. It's very English, and it feels a bit hack. The jokes. It doesn't feel like an. It feels like Tip Richard Curtis doing the same thing, mm. and not that funny. But is Ryan Atkinson in it? No, okay. it's very. And what I don't like about it is that it takes the upper upper middle class as a norm of yep. being British, and, he, and they're like they live 
his parents live in a house on the Cornish coastline, a detached house. They walk down to the sea. That house would probably cost about five million pounds. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And it's oh, that's just but normal. that's that's the England that Richard Curtis has been selling to the Americans yeah. for decades. Because Hugh Grant uh, owns a house and a bookshop in Notting Hill, and yet thinks he's too lowly for a film star to marry him. I mean, he's clearly got millions of pounds. I mean, that's. But this is the lie that I think uh, Curtis is completely aware of it. That this is the lie he's selling to the Americans. He just go, look how humble we are. We don't all live in castles anymore. But and yeah. also the, the them just getting by, yeah, is living in a house with a garden. <laughs> Most people I know, I'm 37, can't afford to even get a flat in London because they're priced at the yeah. <laughs> housing market. No one's got any money. There aren't enough houses. It's far more multicultural than Richard Curtis ever makes out it is. You'd think it would just be like, oh, look, there's one Asian person at our wedding. <laughs> there's the, there's, it's not, you know. It's, so you're saying in, uh, in uh, the modern recession hit age, it's become a bit distasteful to show us the problems of upper middle class people. That's what it feels a bit like. But it just feels tired and the jokes feel annoying and they're yeah. not charming. And you realise a lot of the charm was down to Hugh Grant. Well, that's interesting that because he really sold that shtick as charming and totally. He was, he was Hugh Grant. I think is brilliant. He, he is great. Yeah, and he can get away with that bumbling thing. But the lines don't really hold up when someone else is doing it. And Bill Nye, he does it well. I think he's another one of uh, uh, used by an Emmy Richard Curtis yes. film. But he's very good. He very is good. good. He was in the uh, Richard Curtis Doctor Who episode. Oh, was he? It was the one about. Uh, you probably don't watch it, but it was the one about. Um, uh, Van Gogh. Okay. Was very good, I thought. But nonetheless, I don't know whether it's nostalgia or fear not. I I still did enjoy parts of it because it gives you that hope of... It does do that thing of giving you hope of what Britain should be like Mm. and life should be that normal. And the message is slightly warped and isn't realistic, but his films do have that sort of British, this is the way life could be, you know, nice sort of leafy streets and overcoming small problems it's just a bit twee I suppose yeah but well that's certainly what happened with Love Actually I thought we came a bit too twee I don't think it's as good as Love Actually either okay I didn't see The Boat That Rocks same as you I didn't see it 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 was called Pirate Radio in America because they don't understand that a boat uh, would rock okay I think well let's see what American listeners have to say about that I give it five Marics okay so it's better than Riddick uh, well, I don't know what the conversion rate is of Marix to David's. Yeah, um, I don't know what the reviews have been like for about time. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm. I was harsher than you, but recently I've been quite generous. Okay. Alpha Papa, I gave ten, and you gave it. I gave it nine. Eight. I think. Did I give it eight? Yeah. You'll regret, you'll regret that in years to come. Yeah. I will. <laughs> uh, well, well. Well, that is two movies. Two whole. Movie. Something for everyone. If you like a disappointing sci-fi, why not go to Riddick? If you like a disappointing rom-com, why not go to About Time? Disappointment all round. All round. That's what life's like sometimes. What's coming out? Are we looking forward to anything? I'm looking forward to Rush. What's Rush? The Jimmy Stewart, um, Nick, Nicky uh, Lauder racing film by Ron Howard. Oh, the one with Thor in it. Yes, as James Stewart. It's not about Ian Rush. Uh, James Hunt, rather, not James Stewart. James Stewart? Yeah, it's not Jimmy Stewart. He's long dead. 
Yeah, Jimmy Stewart's the actor. I'm yeah. thinking of James Hunt, the racing driver, ah. and Nicky Lauda. Right. It looks very good. Is it a sports movie, do you reckon? Or... It's a car movie. Car movie, yeah. But... So that's sports, yeah, isn't I it? I guess it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, hobbyist movie. And what else am I looking forward to? I don't know anymore. I simply don't know. A bit of peace and quiet. <laughs> well, uh, that's it for this week. I know it's not actually. Is it not? Because I, I like this podcast, but it's independent. I want to. I would like to donate to show my support for <laughs> Film Fandango. <laughs> Uh, well, if you'd like to uh, donate towards our running costs to keep Film Fandango alive and free, then uh, you can do so by going to our website, filmfandango.co.uk. Uh, and thank you to everyone who has donated already. It is really appreciated. Yes, thank you very much. That's it, then. That's it for this week. We will be back next week with more films. Well, we're going to watch an Idiocracy next Idiocracy. Week. We have a guest, don't we? Yeah. Some Jewish producer bloke. Oh, right. Where, do you know him or? Sort of, yeah. All right, just bumped into him. Yeah. All right, fair enough. All right, well, we've got that to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) Keep watching the films. Keep watching films, bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.